What's up, ladies and gentlemen of the internet, Jade Vera for the Jade Vera Show. Really excited to share today's podcast with you. We've got Mike Pullman live at the NZDSN conference. And the reason I'm sharing this uh, particular piece of content today is to basically announce the launch of Talent Team, a new division of my company, Epic Studios. And I'm going to hand over to Hannah right now just to explain a little bit about the value of Talent Team and why we're incubating individuals like Mike and Ants through this program slash division. Hi guys, Hannah here. Um... I'm coming to you to talk about Talent Team. Uh, Talent Team was recognised as something that was needed. We've got great individuals out there, but they don't necessarily know how to brand themselves and market themselves as individuals. So my job is to actually work with you to find out your dreams, your hopes and your goals and work through to manage and support you to make your talents possible, recognised as you getting paid and working towards you being confident and strong to have a supported career. It's always been my belief that every single person has talent, has leverage. So through this, I would call it a prototyping process because talent team doesn't have particular frameworks or structures. We just target whatever works for the individual and we double down on the emphasis and the resource input around that. Talent team is a management service. So let me just say right up front, we do run a commission model with our individuals. Um, We definitely don't do it for free. This is not charity. But enough talking from us guys. We just wanted to let you know that talent team exists. We're really excited to see how this model evolves over time. If you're interested in getting involved in Talent Team or having a conversation about how we can add leverage to you, email talentteam at epicstudios.co.nz. Please enjoy this presentation from Mike and have a great day. Um, but other than that, we'll get underway. We've got 30 minutes, 10 minutes for question time. Given that we're running a bit late, we're going to cut into your morning tea, but um, we're fortunate that we've got that flexibility as well. So, hand it over to you, Mike. Cool, thank you very much. Kia ora, Koto. Hello and welcome, ladies and gentlemen. It's a pleasure to be here at the NZDSN conference. And I don't know about you, but the energy yesterday, especially in that last keynote, was really, really impressive, so hopefully we can follow on with that today. 
Now, before I go any further, I want to say a big thank you to two groups, um, my management team, Epic Studios, and also NZDSN for contributing to some of the costs for this trip. So today, I'm going to be talking all about design. How did I design a support system to move me out of residential service and into the community? How did I go from living with seven other disabled people to living with my partner? How did I design a more independent life? And what does that look like now? So not only that, but how does being an employer enrich my life? and cut out, mostly, the red tape restriction that came from more traditional models of support. So there's a lot to get through, and we'll get through all of that, and then some over the next half hour. I also want to share some tips and tricks that I have as an employer for my staff, and I want to discuss some meaningful differences in four aspects of my life versus when I was in residential care versus now. And if I get time, I want to talk about greater enrichment, greater personalization, and more customization that the new models of support can deliver for both disabled people and providers. But you're probably wondering a wee bit about who I am. So it's pretty simple, really. My name is Michael Pullman. I'm 26 years old. I'm a public speaker. I'm a content creator. I'm a writer. And I would like to think of myself as a something of a disability rights advocate. I have a background in both journalism and radio. And in 2016, I was lucky enough to be a recipient of the Youth with Disability Award after public speaking for a couple of years. In my downtime, I love to play PlayStation, love to listen to music, uh, binge watch television series on Netflix, all that good stuff. And as, as was mentioned earlier, I'm a bit of a sports addict too. In terms of how I got involved in the disability conversation, if that's what you want to call it, it all happened by accident and it happened very quickly. So in 2015, I was studying a Bachelor of Media Arts degree, majoring in journalism, hoping to get into sports media. And I was very lucky to get... Um, some opportunities with the Chiefs, with Waikato Rugby, and also the All Blacks. From there, a few service providers contacted me and they said, hey, we'd love to share your story. It's a success story. It's awesome. From there, I started public speaking around the time of the launch of the Enabling Good Lives because, remember, we were all about promoting good life. So that's where I came in. I hosted um, a live radio talkback show where I sort of developed my craft about talking about the good things about disability, the bad things about disability. And in terms of an actual job, um, I was in communications for one service provider for a couple of years. Now, I'm, I'm doing some of the same stuff, but also a lot of different things. So I've moved a lot of my, my brand and my platform onto social media. So I host a, a live talk show four nights a week. Um, I continue to write blogs and columns with, with my opinions on some of the more difficult disability issues, if that's what you want to call them. Um, and I'm working 
towards getting back into public speaking with a goal of speaking at events like this, speaking to disabled people, providers, organisations. But long term, I, I also want to branch out, talk to businesses and talk to sports organisations. And of course, I'm managed by Jane and Hannah at Epic Studios. So now, what what is different about my life? What are some aspects that I could describe to you that is fundamentally a, a similar situation but so much different? So when I, And I've got four, four aspects on the screen. So on the left-hand side, it was the situation I was in in a residential service. On the right-hand side, it's my situation now. So I lived in a group home with five people and sometimes more. At one point, I counted nine people were living in my home. Now, it's just me and my girlfriend living together. I felt in the residential service that I didn't have autonomy and control over anything to do with my life, my daily routine, when and where I could do things. Now, I not only have all that control, but I'm also managing a team of staff, and that comes with recruitment, comes with payroll, roster, you know, sorting out all of that stuff that I'm sure you guys know very well about. In residential, there are people with different disabilities around me, sometimes people with intellectual disabilities, sometimes people with neurodiverse diversity. Now, I get to choose who I have in my home. I'm not forced into that decision. And another key aspect, if we're talking about getting into the community, is we had one van to share amongst three different residential services. So you do the math. That's like one van for 20, sometimes more people. Now I've got my own van for my own use. Why? Why move out of residential service where... I don't necessarily have to worry about everything. Well, there were four key reasons. And the first and most primary reason was an investment in my career. I I mentioned earlier the things that I was doing involving radio, sports, public speaking. A lot of that requires travel. Maybe not overseas, maybe not to Wellington every other week, but it requires getting out and about very regularly. And on top of that, it requires somebody to support me because I am what you would deem to be very high needs, right? So first and foremost, I needed to get out of residential because I I needed more support to do what I wanted to do with my career, not only my life, my career. Obviously, I wanted more control and more choice about everything to do with my life, greater autonomy. I wanted privacy. Now, again, seven, five, between five and ten people living in a home, two support workers at a time, all the visiting friends in Pano, you know, it's just, there's no privacy. It's very, very loud, very busy all the time. Self-responsibility. I think that's pretty important for, for anybody, regardless of disability or not regardless of impairment, regardless of what condition they have. Um, it's such a, it, it's a fulfilling, it's something that takes time, but it's fulfilling. And that's what I wanted. I wanted my success 
or my failure in life to be on me, not on the provider, not on anybody else that's paid to come in and support me. It's up to me. That took a long time to come to terms with. And as I was branching out, people were saying to me, Mike, you're not, you've got to get out of there. And I'm like, no, I'm fine, I can make it work. So once I came, once I started listening to that, I started thinking about it, and I'm like, if my career is going to go where I want it to go, if my life's going to go where I want it to go, I think I need to do this. So at that point, how do you do it? So I needed to think about that. And there were, again, there were four things amongst the so the hundreds of things, but these are the four core elements. So I needed a small, accessible home that was quiet and private. I needed reliable, passionate, but most of all, flexible staff. Staff that I could, you know, if I have an appointment at, at you know, at hospital at 6.30 because I'm sick, they can actually be there, you know, or if I need to catch a flight to Wellington tomorrow because, you know, I've got a dream job meeting Steve Hansen to interview, you know, I need to be there. Um, greater access to the community. And I needed help to transition into a fully self-managed setup. It wasn't going to be click of the fingers it's going to happen. I needed to learn how to be an employee. I needed. I had no idea about payroll. I had no idea about anything. So that took time. And speaking of time, we'll just zoom out very quickly. So a timeline of all this. Once I came to the decision that I, I, I wanted to look elsewhere, I connected with Enabling Good Lives. That was in April 2016. By September, I had moved out of residential care. And by March 2017, I had transitioned into taking over all my support staff, um, you know, and all that entails contracts, um, payroll, recruitment. Now, I realise that a lot of you will have some, some questions about the finer details about that, and I'm very happy to go over that in, in Q&A. So, moving into the first major talking point of the presentation. So I was having coffee with my partner the other day because she also uses, she's, um, she's autistic, right? So she has some support. And she said to me, she said, Mike, you know what? I hate it. And I said, what do you mean? She goes, I hate that I'm told which days somebody can come in and support me. I hate that I'm told how long it's for and I hate that I'm told what I can and can't do, but she got very upset. And I thought about that. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to share that today. So just just keep that quote in, in the back of your mind because I'm sure, put your hand up if you've ever heard somebody that you support say that. Four people. A bit more than four. Yeah, I'm sure it's a bit more than that. <laughs> Okay, so what have I learned from the past year? A key learning is that self-managing my support system will entail that no one day will ever be the same, and I would be a fool if I expected anything different. 
flexibility and comfort is a key part of the working environment that I've tried to create in what is my most personal and private space, my home. An example of this would be allowing workers to feel comfortable coming to me with new ideas, maybe asking for a shift to be tweaked slightly to work around what I might have on that day or maybe what they have on that day. Or they've got issues in the workplace. Maybe they've got issues with, I don't know, something in my home or something that I've said. Or, and I'll get into more of that in a minute. Because I want to zoom out and suggest something. The services that are being delivered to disabled people and whānau are a key part of their lives, but they're not the only part of their lives. Let me suggest to you that the services being delivered should not be there just to fill a requirement. Services can add value to people's lives, and what I mean by that is this. The care need, the access requirement, or the vocational program that a person chooses is not the most important aspect of their life because they actually have real goals, real dreams, fears, needs, and wants. And in my opinion, and the support system that I've tried to design for myself, because I have to start with me, right? Should cater to all of that, all of those dreams, all of those, the good days, the bad days, all of it. Catering only for the needs serves to fill a requirement. And it lacks, in my opinion, personalization. And I think greater personalization, greater individuality is something that disabled people and their whanau need more of in New Zealand. So prior to becoming an employer, I had to think about all of that and I had to create a support system that fitted around that. <laughs> we referenced earlier in the presentation that, didn't we? And the reason I'm repeating it is because for so long, I'd been used to doing pretty much the exact opposite and not even thinking about it. So what I'm trying to put across is this sorry um, what I'm trying to put across is that none of this is a situation of service delivery it's all a part of the backbone that enables me to live life and through the good days and the bad the one thing that's never changed and will never change in the future about my support is that it's transformative by nature and it's flexible it's a key requirement for anybody coming in to support me. Flexibility, transformation, and communication is a crucial part, in my opinion, of creating a good relationship with my support staff, all of whom are my friends first, carers second. There is another fundamental aspect to creating this working environment. And that's what I've and it's also a key aspect about the friendship relationship. 
and it's having an open door policy. So my belief is that support workers need to be happy in the job. And the job, where does it take place? Takes place in my home, doesn't it? So how in God's name (laughs) to juggle that? It's very difficult. But the most important thing as an employer, as a friend, as a boss, whatever, is care about my workers and think about their well-being just as much, if not more, than my own. And allow them to feel comfortable in coming to me, like I said, if they have any issues. Open and honest communication is more important than I think any of us realise, even myself. And the more, another important thing is realising the responsibility that you also have as an employer too. It's about having the same expectations. So I talked about enrichment before, right? How can I expect a, a, a staff member to enrich my life, to, to work in a flexible nature, to be willing to, I know, fly me to Wellington for a couple of days and, and work their butts off if when they have their baby, I, I say, oh, no, you still have to be at work. You know, it's, it's a flexible give-and-take relationship. Which it takes time, it, it it really does, and then that's the important thing about picking the right people, getting to know people, you know all that stuff, which I'm sure you you know. The people who work for me will never be perfect, and it's crucial that I understand that and don't come down on them too hard. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. It's about realising that mistakes happen and often mistakes will be repeated. So it's encouragement, right? It's the encouraging level of communication. So I'll just I'll summarise very quickly before I move into my final talking point. So with my setup, it's it's pretty cash. It's pretty casual. Cash, I'm talking like a young person, but it's there's no rule book there's no there's no gloves on the wall there's no there's no exit signs on the door I just live by four things clear communication in all areas obviously keep records on keep records and pay on time that's it's not as easy as it looks and I'm sure a lot of people have questions about that create a good working environment in my home and an open-door policy. So my advice for service delivery. What's that on the wall? Well, sorry, on the screen. What is that? Is that an empty building by the looks? Cool. Okay, so there are changes coming to the disability support system. They're on the horizon. In fact, they're knocking on the front door. Service providers and disabled people have an opportunity to learn about how to build new systems that are 100% personalised. 
personalised to the individual and do not centre around the care aspect. So if you look at the slide there, picture this empty apartment. It's completely bare, right? There's nothing on the walls. Put the person inside of it. Build it around them. These doors can be wherever, they can go wherever and however the person wants them to. Maybe study, maybe work, maybe start a startup business. Let people create doors that act as pathways to their goals. Let them make as informed decisions as possible. Work with whānau. Work as a team. Remember, I'll repeat, services being delivered are a part of a person's life. They are so... that They're the... <laughs> I can't understate how important they are because it it serves to get them to where they want to go. Flexibility and personalisation matters. So in the future, disabled people will be using their annual budgets in a less traditional way. So for example... Maybe somebody will, rather than get into debt and take out a student loan, they'll say, hey, can I use a bit of my budget to cover my course fees for that semester? Maybe they have a business degree. Maybe they want to start a business, but they don't have the technology to do it. Maybe they can use some of their funding. The point being is that if this helps the person towards their goals and ambitions, then in my opinion, this is on the exact same scale as their needs, their care needs. It's just as important as the showers, as the dressing, as the going out to a a vocational program. Just as important. One learning I took looking back at my time in residential care in terms of budgets, I never knew where it was going. Didn't know how much my annual budget was. Nothing. Now, I can probably t- I can tell you what my total annual budget is and down to the last cent where it goes. So... I'm going to address the elephant in the room in a minute, but before, I just want to give some key points, so I'll just reflect on what I said. Build services around the individual that do not just focus on care aspect. Um, I like to call this the whole-of-life approach. People um, do want flexibility and to be in charge of their own lives, and the services that are delivered are a part of those lives. And they can enrich those lives too. Not just serve requirement. 
involve the person and the whanau in every single discussion to, with, or about them. Just involve them. And if you can't involve them at that particular time, don't make the decision for them. And again, budgets in the future will not just be for care, they will also be used in less traditional ways. We'll get to that in a minute. So, I'm I'm sure a lot of you are sitting here and you're like, hang on a sec, what are you talking about, Michael Pullman? What about the disabled people in the whānau who can't do this? What about the disabled people in Fano who don't want to have to do this? What about the disabled people in Fano who would prefer a provider to handle all of this for them? My answer, I've just answered it for you. I'll repeat everything I said. If I can just scroll down, because all of this can be done in both ways because I guarantee you that even if all of this that I've talked about today and my situation if it's handled by a provider or if it's self-managed the success or the failure rate of it of the delivery depends solely on the autonomy on the control on the choice and really of the happiness of the person the individuality of the person and that is where taking time regardless of impairment to connect with them is so important how do you know that they're not happy or how do you know that they're happy if you don't know them So in a world where irrespective of self-managing or having your service delivered, the person will be central at the core aspect of what I call the building block. So finally, let let me picture a building, a 10-level building. Let's go 20 levels. Let's go big or go home. 20 levels. If one... And the person is at every level of this building, of its foundation. If one level is even an inch out of place, building falls over. So what do you do when the building falls over, service providers? You start again. And that is the opportunity that service providers have at the doorstep right now. An opportunity for greater enrichment, greater personalization, greater customization, working towards nothing more than 100% for the person and their whanau. Thank you very much. And because my manager is so awesome, I've got a QR code. <laughs> so if you want my details, um, they're all on screen. 
However, just hold your smart, your, I'm going to call it cellular device, <laughs> hold your cellular device to that QR code and it should, it will um, scan my details into your phone. I'm open, I'm open for questions. I just want to say thank you, um, and especially to my management team and my support staff for helping me get here. Um, and TNZ DSN obviously for having me. So open to questions, obviously. There's a lot to process. And, yeah, cool. Um, I don't know how, how the funding's going to work. It's mm-hmm. very confusing for me. But, yeah. Um, how much of your income is your support and your, your contract and do journalism? How much of your income subsidises or does your phone... Zero. Really? Yep. So it covers everything for you? Yep. Okay, go in the back. Cool. Did you have to do much upskilling or training to learn yeah. how to manage staff? Yeah, um, no formal training. Um, I I worked very closely with my connector or independent advocate, whatever you want to call it, to Hono, um, and I, I searched around for payroll providers that I could do online, um, and in terms of, like, developing contracts, I used uh, the Business New Zealand website, Template Builder, and I just looked at my life and what I wanted. I didn't understand anything about the language, so I just looked at it with my provider um, connector, and we, we went from there. Hello. Hiya. So how are you finding the best way to keep up flexibility with your workers and manage uh, getting your guaranteeing hours for them? So I guarantee all my workers a certain number of hours so there's a there's there's a roster like there's, they all know when they're meant to be at work um but it's very flexible by nature right so um and it's just conversation it's, it's a communication so um if i've got somebody starting at 7 a.m um and they can't come in i say to them look i want at least 12 hours notice sometimes that's not possible right so I, what I do is communicate with all my staff and I say, look, I might ring you at 5 to 7 in the morning. Can you be here? And if one person can't, I go around and eventually find someone. Just by agreement then? Yep. yep. Yeah, it's, it's a, there's contracts, but it, it, we don't, we, we don't, yeah, it's just, it's verbal, yeah. yeah. Sorry, Mike, we've got a question from Facebook. Hello, Facebook. Shall um, I look at the camera, Jane? So, so yeah. the question is, um, with with your very personal relationships, you describe them as friendships. How do you manage that? Doesn't that get really tense at times? Yeah, sometimes it does. Frankly, um, look, uh, with my staff, my friends, it, it's just like we go out for coffee. Okay, like if if there's an issue in the workplace what I found usually is that it's, it's been an issue for a little while and um, there's a bit of underlying tension there maybe they haven't sort of said hey Mike I don't like the way you're ordering me around today or because I have my bad day I had a bad day this morning I was a real dip to my care this morning um, I was in the room, yeah. Um, so, so yeah. Um, but you know, there's often. So if they come to me or I go to them, usually go out for coffee, 
and I'll just we'll talk about it. And I haven't really had a <coughs> situation where scrumpy shake is just communication, and sometimes it's very awkward, but. We just bounce back, go back to work, and and move forward. Okay. Any other questions from the floor at all for Mike? Hello. It's a bit interested in uh, the housing mm-hmm. that you went to yep. before. Yep. Um, was it something that was already accessible, yep. or did you have it adapted? Yeah. So that was the biggest challenge that we had actually. So um, I thought. Between connecting with EGL in April 2016, from the get-go, the first thing we did was start looking for houses. We found a few, and you know you know the story, weren't accessible even though it advertised as such. Um, the house I'm in, Accessible Properties actually own it, which is so interesting. It's a little three-bedroom place, and um, the person who was in it contacted me and said, oh, I'm going to be moving out in two weeks. Would you like to come have a viewing? And then they talked to Accessible Properties, and it was very quick. So very lucky is what I would, would say. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Any more from the face? No. Cool. Cool. All right. All right. Thank you very much, guys. Thank you. Um, Mike, I would, look, first and foremost, thank you for sharing your story, no, really. Um, I, I guess what I heard it was a story that sort of talked about a more restrictive living situation um, and through Mike taking control of that one where you've got more choice and control, although one that has a number of pain points along that journey as well, and so it's really nice to be able to hear firsthand around what you've done in order to be able to sort of come up with some of the solutions to tackle that as well. A small um, token of our appreciation. Thank you very much. Um, Some wine there. And um, I'd just ask you to join me again to to, um, thank Mike for his talk. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. I also just want to um, a plug for Epic Studios over here. So for Jade and Hannah, yep. they're, a, they're a talent management agency for people for disabled people. Um, so if you are supporting someone with a disability and you think that they could be a great public speaker or certainly have some other gifts, then these are the guys to talk to over here as well. So thank you. Cool. Cheers, guys.